The world is currently busy fighting the COVID pandemic, which has brought a lot of human suffering, especially on the lives of poor and vulnerable communities across the world. The lockdowns, the physical distancing, the loss of jobs and illness are all burdens. But for those living in armed conflict situations, there is yet another heavy layer that many people aren't talking about. The fear of a brutal death either by the gun or determined by the guns. In particular, I am talking about vulnerable children living in conflict zones where violence and bloodshed remain a daily occurrence. Amidst the COVID pandemic, those children continue to suffer horrific forms of violence. They are recruited, drugged, and given guns to fight. Now let's face it. Child advocates are rare. Even when they are given a platform, as in the case of Greta Thunberg and Malala Yousufzai, see it's hard to shake the sense that many leaders and institutions are just humoring a prodigy rather than genuinely listening or making a space for young people. Well, the Glare Institute isn't giving up. As part of their mission to prevent the recruitment and use of children in conflict, the Institute is ensuring that children's rights are brought upfront in global, regional, and even local conversations and initiatives. But how is this important, especially for peace building? The founder of the Delea Institute is here to tell us. Children are used, in my opinion, as an early warning sign for conflict both internally and, of course, uh, uh, conflicts that will degenerate into massive abuses. And so nipping it at the bud by trying to prevent it from happening, that is to say, re-educating the security forces, uh, realigning the social construct of the country in regards to how you use children and how they should be protected and so on. Those are preventive tools for conflict. And they are by far the best way to get people around the table to discuss how to stop the war is to put the children's problems up front. I mean, everybody will go around the table if you're talking about kids. And once you got them there, then it's just a matter of expanding it. Okay, we'll start by expanding this discussion. So we'll hear more from General Delea later. And we'll learn more about the Delea's Institute's children's rights upfront approach. And we'll also hear about the Institute's first African center of excellence based in Rwanda. I am Amara Bangura, and this is the CPS Podcast. Brought to you by the Delea Institutes for Children, Peace and Security. The widespread use of child soldiers in Rwanda was one of the key factors that led to the 1994 genocide against the Tutsis, in which more than 800,000 people were slaughtered over a period of 100 days. Lieutenant General Romeo Delea was there as UN Force Commander to assist the peace process. Instead, he bore witness to a massacre he was powerless to stop. But the painful lessons he learned in Rwanda are now helping to change the way the world should address the use of children in conflict through an initiative he founded in 2010, the Romeo Delea Child Soldiers Initiative, which is now called the Delea Institute for Children, Peace and Security. Now, In the past 10 years, 
the institute has tremendously expanded its work to become a global leader in child protection and finding new ways to end the recruitment and use of children in conflict. In 2019, the Delaire Institute opened its African Center of Excellence in Rwanda. The center is pushing for government and members of the security sector in Africa to put children's rights up front in peace-building programs, an approach that General Delaire and the Delaire Institute believes will help prevent conflict and the recruitment and use of children. This is Center of Excellence coming to life in Rwanda for all of Africa, uh, and, and not just for the eastern part of, of Africa, but all of Africa, is a culminating point uh, in the phase of moving us into a mainstream, uh, um, world-class organization that has boots on the ground in the continent where we want to assist in uh, advancing the skills, the knowledge, and the capabilities of security forces in regards to prevention of the recruitment of child soldiers. And uh, to me, it's a high watermark uh, uh, that uh, we're back there, that I feel I'm back there because of the team that's on the ground from, from the uh, Institute. And their role uh, is to radiate from there. I mean, this is not, you know, we set up shop and uh, we hope people will come to visit us. Yes, we expect people to come to seek knowledge and to pass on the material information. Yes, we look at a, a relationship that is very professional with the Rwandan forces and the Rwandan government as that center of excellence is a significant asset to their country as well as uh, to the uh, to Africa as a whole. But it is there to be the hub of a series of satellite uh, programs and projects that will be done in a number of African countries with now a, opening the emphasis on the Franco side because we've been working mostly on the Anglo side. And mm -hmm. so with the Congo, with uh, uh, Mali, with a bit of Cameroon, uh, we're starting to look at the Francophone side. So, so we'll be covering the, the whole of the, of the continent. It's a, it's a proof of commitment mm -hmm. uh, on the ground and a sign of increased maturity of our program. So, I mean, with that said, can you explain how the protection of children can lead to the protection of the security forces? And in this case, um, I would say the military. In my in my second book that I wrote, which is uh, They Fight Like Soldiers, They Die Like Children. The first principle that I uh, discovered, and this is after uh, living the experience of seeing youth being used as the major instrument of conflict during the genocide. Mm -hmm. uh, and as a result of doing much more serious uh, work and research there at Harvard, uh, is the fact that uh, the, the young people are pushed into the forefront uh, of so many of the conflicts, uh, both as a force, but also uh, as a mobilization capability to sustain uh, conflicts uh, as we go on. And so uh, it is my perspective that uh, these generational wars are continuing uh, just because we're keep, they keep feeding cannon fodder by youths into the fray. But 
there are two things that happen with that. One is uh, that the, the youth then undermines the possibility of the country coming out of the conflict because all they knew is all they know is fighting, and that creates a generation of simply disenfranchised youth that then continue to either as gangs or other other means uh, continue to destabilize a, a country. Uh, so there, there's that one side that that is the, the sustainment of the war. Uh, the other side of the the youth endeavor. Uh, is the fact that if adults are prepared to use children to conduct such horrific exactations in conflicts and to do such massive abuses of human rights of other human beings uh, and indoctrinate them to conduct such actions, then there is next to no effort in these horrific in minds of these leaders to go to the next step of mass atrocities and ultimately even genocide. And so children are used, in my opinion, as an early warning sign for conflict, both internally and, of course, uh, uh, conflicts that will degenerate into massive abuses. And so nipping it at the bud by trying to prevent it from happening, that is to say, re-educating the security forces, uh, realigning the social construct of the country in regards to how you use children and how they should be protected and so on. Those are preventive tools for conflict. And they are by far the best way to get people around the table to discuss how to stop the war is to put the children's problems up front. I mean, everybody will go around the table if you're talking about kids. And once you got them there, then it's just a matter of expanding it. That was the founder of the Delaire Institute, Lieutenant General Romeo Delaire. Well, from Rwanda, we are now joined by Francisca Mujaosid, Acting Director of the African Center of Excellence for Children, Peace and Security, to tell us more about the work of the African Center of Excellence. The Delaire Institute's African Center of Excellence on Children, Peace and Security is an African hub that promotes and leads efforts to end the recruitment and use of children as soldiers on the continent. The Center of Excellence exists to strengthen the African capacity for research, training, and policy development through innovative approaches and regionally appropriate strategies to prevent the recruitment and use of children as soldiers. Now, Francisca, can you tell us about some of your recent activities, um, knowing that COVID impacted a lot of work and other activities across the world? How have you managed within this COVID pandemic? What is the centre doing? At the forefront, uh, the African Centre of Excellence has demonstrated regional leadership on the security sector implementation of the Vancouver's principles. The center has also sensitized and promoted collaboration between regional scholars, civil society actors, and policymakers to enhance the local and international approaches available to prevent the recruitment and use of children as soldiers, as central to achieving a children peace and security agenda. On the other hand, uh, the center has strengthened policy cooperation at the African Union and sub-regional levels to move forward the children, peace and security agenda. Not saying less, uh, looking at the numbers since 
the African Center of Excellence um, focuses on serving as a regional hub for prevention-oriented security sector training. We have so far trained over a thousand troops in the region that, um, that will serve as ambassadors in the UN peacekeeping mission on uh, the areas of prevention of uh, children as soldiers. Rwanda being the home or the host country for the ACOE, I'm sure there has been a lot of talk about the recent commemoration of the 1994 genocide against the Tutsi. How do you connect the work of the ACOE with the commemoration of the 1994 genocide against the Tutsi in Rwanda? Thank you. The Kwebuka 27 commemoration is a time when Rwanda moons more than a million Tutsi lives that perished in the 1994 genocide against the Tutsi. It is an important chapter for all the lives of Rwandans on which we build strength as we remember, unite and renew. The work of the African Center of Excellence therefore relates to this kind of uh, remembrance because the center aims at promoting and protecting the rights of children, which is key to achieving peaceful societies. Therefore, Rwanda has been a reference country and a best practice on how it managed to resurrect from the, from the ashes of the 1994 genocide to building a peaceful society where children are set on the front of every uh, development stage the country is taking. And on a personal note, I'd like you to highlight for me or explain how important the ACOE is to you, given that um, you have this experience of the 1994 genocide and now you are leading the Center of Excellence. How is this important to you? The Center of Excellence for Children, Peace and Security is very important on a personal level because it brings a unique approach to, to protection of children, not necessarily here domestically, but rather uh, taking an approach through which Rwanda can make uh, a difference in countries where um, they serve on UN peacekeeping missions. So uh, being in the position to lead these efforts, to me, um, gives me hope that children in the future will be safe if only we can gather or come up with a collaborative and collective efforts to ensure that we can stop or any form of violence that uh, affects the lives of children. Okay, and, and, and finally, um, Francisca, what future do you want to see for the children of your country and the African region as a whole? The future of the children, of the Rwandan children and the African child should be a future where a child is living in a peaceful society, where every child is given an opportunity to develop and grow fully their potentials. And we can only let them achieve this goal if at all they are protected from any forms of violence. That was Francisca Mujaosid, acting director of the African Center of Excellence for Children, Peace and Security. In case you are just joining us, this is the CPS podcast brought to you by the Delea Institute for Children, Peace and Security a global partnership that is working to end the use of children in conflict. I am Amara Bangura, and today we are talking about the Delea Institute's children's rights upfront approach 
and earlier in the discussion, General Delea explained why it's critical to prioritize the protection of children. And Francisca Mujawasi says, the African Center of Excellence will continue to work to prioritize the protection of children in conflict. Now, we move on to the Democratic Republic of Congo. When COVID hit the world, communities, individual and organizational activities were brought to a halt to contain the virus. We all had to find new ways of doing things. It's called the new normal. Well, the Delea Institute changed some of its approach as well. For instance, in the Democratic Republic of Congo, the Institute launched new radio programs to bring together government officials, members of the security sector, and individual citizens to discuss ways of ending the use of children in conflict. And Asan Shidimo is the man leading that work. Yeah, thanks uh, Thanks for having me, Amara. Um, the plan was to, to, to have... Um, our colleagues on the ground and conduct um, trainings with the FRDC. But uh, our uh, adaptation to the current COVID uh, pandemic restrictions were put in place. Uh, but uh, given that we were able to do radio programs and TV shows uh, with members of the civil society and with the FRDC as well, just to highlight how children can actually be uh, vulnerable during a pandemic era. Uh, that was important for the audience to know that uh, now that uh, the pandemic is here, restrictions measures have been put in place, uh, kids are not lo- longer going to school. All these things actually exacerbate, you know, actually, you know what, uh, 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 increase uh, 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 the likelihood of children being vulnerable uh, uh, in a pandemic area. I mean, we had a range of topics. We looked into how children can actually be safe uh, during a pandemic. Uh, we also paid a particular attention to girls, um, you know, how they are vulnerable during a pandemic and what measure can actually be taken in place to uh, reduce uh, the vulnerability of girls, especially during a conf- confinement period. Like I said, you know, schools were being closed. And as you know, uh, in Africa and in particular the DRC, you know, you still have a high poverty rate. When you don't have kids, especially girls going to school, there's so many uh, uh, impacts of that. Uh, so we kind of had to address that issue as well. Okay. How would you describe success of these radio programs? You know, what I should say is just to bring those stakeholders together to discuss the issue, to have an open dialogue, you know, to make sure that the audience knows that, you know what, there is this issue that exists. I think that was important because, like I said, you know, mm-hmm. we had a wide range of stakeholders involved into those radio and TV programs. You know, you have members of UNICEF, MONESCO, uh, civil society, uh, security sector, FRDC. So that was really I- important. And second, uh, what I should say, you know, just to have that advocacy uh, 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 goal in mind is to inform the audience about, about what, is, what is happening. Third, I think during those programs, what we were able to do is to highlight the root and immediate causes uh, contributing to children being vulnerable. Just to, 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 to mention something else, uh, Amara, uh, mm-hmm. during our show, uh, it was amazing to have the presence of the office of the president. Okay, so we had the special advisor to the president on youth, gender, and violence against women during our shows as well. I think she participated in two shows, I believe. So she was there, the police, the FRDC, government ministry representative was also in the show. And 
an important measure was actually taking place. And it's a key achievement, I should mention that, you know what, they actually implemented a hard call line to report cases of sexual violence. So linearly and like the same trends. That was very important to come up with uh, with the hotline, and uh, it's been effective uh, since then. And you've mentioned briefly about um, working with the FARDC. What was it like during COVID working with members of the security sector, for you in particular? Yeah, it, it was a new experience, actually. So, I mean, you had all these restriction measures. Uh, you cannot do, you know, um, you know, you 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 had this uh, social distancing taking place and things like that. Uh, we had uh, to run our trainings into military academies or military schools. So now, see, it, it makes it different. You know, you kind of have to adapt to what <laughs> you are doing. Uh, mm-hmm. But again, given that the military personnel, military uh, people that abide by the rules uh, that yeah. have been put in place, so we were able to conduct um, our trainings in, in, in a good fashion. So I think that was um, that was really, uh, really important. How about the trainings that you delivered? What would you describe as a success? I, I believe the, uh, the commitment. The commitment, the commitment that were made, yes, the commitment uh, that were made by the FRDC uh, to make sure that this topic of recruitment, this issue of using such charged soldiers is a priority for them. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important. Uh, we may not see it, uh, but I think it's really important uh, for them just to commit to that. And why do I say that? Um, the FRDC has been doing tremendous work, okay? Mm-hmm. Especially since being removed from the shame list of recruitment and use of charged soldiers. I mean, they have implemented a legal framework, okay? They have laws, they have directives that have been put in oh. place. So in other words, they are taking the child rights upfront approach. Exactly, you, you got it right. So they are actually using what we are preaching in this child rights upfront approach, okay? Uh, From using a legal framework to make sure that everybody knows the consequences uh, that involve uh, with recruiting and using child soldiers. And also those ministry directives that have been put in place, you know? And these can be negotiated. So to them, I think it's important. It's really important uh, in that. And also, when I said, you know, using this global approach, and we saw that too as well, because it's one thing to do training with the military, with the security sector, but also you kind of have to look into the political landscape as well. You know, are they being supportive of what's actually happening in uh, in what we are doing with the military? So we saw that too as well. We saw that because we spoke about factors, okay, that actually makes ch- children vulnerable. We speak about education, okay? Mm-hmm. So the president actually took up on that, you know? So as, as a good example, just offering free education to primary school students to make sure that even if you are coming from a poor family background, 
you still have access to go to school. It doesn't matter in which province uh, you live in, because in the DRC, we are speaking about 50,000 state primary schools. Now you have this free education and wow. millions of kids can actually go to school and they won't be, you know, sitting at home or, you know, getting involved in gangs or you know what. So I think that's really important to, uh, to, to mention that too as well. Okay. Well, so good to hear all of this, um, Asen, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Mara. Thanks for having me. This is all we have for you in today's edition of our CPS podcast. We will be back again next month with another edition when we'll learn about the Delia Institute security sector approach to protecting children. If you'd like to listen to this podcast again, please download it. And of course, please feel free to share it. This has been a Delia Institute's production. And thanks to all those who contributed. Till we meet again, I am Amara Bangura. Thanks for listening and have a wonderful day.